Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All the Things podcast, episode number 56, The Traveling Developer. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. Now, before I continue on with this introduction, Mike and I have had been having a bit of a feud in the office here, and I think this episode should not be called The Traveling Developer, <laughs> but rather, <laughs> rather, rather should be called The Sisterhood of the Traveling Developer Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous name I've ever heard. To to rank, well, to rank an SEO, it'd be. Would you li- click on it? I would. Uh, that's what I want to know. All, I, everyone in I the audience, would that? you click on on that name? I'm not even going to repeat it. You're not going to repeat the sisterhood. <laughs> Here, this Google the sisterhood of the traveling developer pants. But anyway. <laughs> So, anyway, I can see Mike's rubbing his face down. So, I'm just going to keep going, keep on going with this. So, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far and want to support us, there are a couple ways you could do that. You could review us on Apple Podcasts or the on, or on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. We only have two tiers right now, but that $3 tier will give you a shout out on the podcast and we'll share a link to your website on our full show notes. And probably the most important one is just to share this with your friends, tell people that are interested in web development or other types of development. That we have a podcast and we also have a Discord server. So if that person would like to hang out or if you'd like to come hang out, our Discord server um, launched probably about two, three months ago. And it's really been growing rather quickly now. Uh, a lot of people in there, lots of help, lots of conversations. It's now at the point where Mike and I don't have to converse to keep the conversation going. So it's definitely like a self-growing community, if that's the wrong way to say it. One might call it a sisterhood of the traveling developer no, pants. No, might, one might not. <laughs> I'm going to change the name of the of our Discord server now. To the sisterhood of the traveling developer community, Devel- like- developer pants. It has to be the full thing. We need the we need the SEO. We need to hit all those search terms. Because I'm sure that like it's getting to the point now where they'll probably bring that movie back, which they actually might have already. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a Netflix original series or something. Who was knows? Was it a movie? I thought it was a book. I thought it was a movie. Google right. Google what I just said and. I'm sure you'll find out whether it was a book or a movie, and then you can also listen to our podcast episode. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) as we always do, our weekly pain point. Mike, take it away. All right. Uh, Weekly pain point this week is I don't have a weekly pain point. I was on vacation the whole week, so I don't really have anything to complain about. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of a complaint-free week. I was at a cottage in Minnesota, just paddleboarding, uh, kayaking, jet skiing, stuff like that, eating a lot of food. Having a lot of fun, so can't really complain about that. I was trying to think of like what was I doing that really pissed me off, but that's just nitpicking, and I'm not not I'm not about the nitpick. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, so that sounds pretty fun, but uh, my weekly pain point is a legitimate pain point, and that is these damn notifications. Now, I'm talking about specifically on my Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. So basically, what I was having trouble with was I have I like to receive phone calls via like the ringer i like the phone to ring but i do not want to receive dings and little dings and whatever else comes up whenever i get an sms an email whatever and so i went in there and i was like messing around with the settings and i turn i turn the sound profile to loud i then turn off sound for notifications which then killed off a lot of the notification noises for things like sms whatsapp messenger whatever now occasionally the phone does go and I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what app that is. I I couldn't tell you. However, 
What I've found is, and I'm not sure exactly what's going on, so I'm assuming that there's an app, and it's specifically the BlackBerry Hub, that is just ignoring the fact that I said, please do not notify me. And it, so it still goes, Dring! like every time I get an email, which is the normal tone, but like I don't want to have to go into the master settings and then also go into the app settings, so that's a pain in the ass. But there's also something else that's weird. There's a device permission thing that installed itself on this phone a while ago. Because I don't use the Samsung Messages app, because mine was broken, every time I tried to search for a contact, it wouldn't do it. So, I basically just said the heck with this, I went over to Google Messages, because I also wanted the desktop client thing, which is a whole other story in and of itself. But anyway, now, whenever I text, and I just figured out how to stop this today, so it's a post-pain point, it used to tell me, oh, the Messages app, it used to send me a notification, and the Messages app used the SMS permission. You don't frickin' say. It's the Messages app. Like, what type of what type of app? Like, what the heck's going on here? But anyway, that's my weekly pain point. Uh, Android needs to not have so many layers, and they need to figure their stuff out and uh, get it done. But anyway, we're gonna pass it on to Mike, because he's gonna be talking about his travel tips for his traveling pants for developers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, take it away. Alright, so... Traveling tips. So, uh, w- one thing that I did this this past week, like I said, I, w- I went on vacation. But even when I go on vacation, because we have a small business and we have a lot of clients, no matter what, you kind of have to pack to travel and work. Um, I-, I don't remember the last time I went on a vacation where I didn't have to at least do some kind of work. So I- I'm pretty accustomed to it, and I'm actually fairly okay with it. It, it-, it makes it easier to come back. The next week, because if I was to just like completely disconnect, which is what a lot of people do, and some people really like that, I feel like I would have extreme anxiety coming back on the Monday because who knows what would happen. Like some people will literally like turn off their email syncing, their notifications, everything. Like they won't even check their emails for an entire week. I would just that would be worst case scenario for me if I if I did that. I don't know if that's kind of like a just my preference or maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know, but. For me, when I travel, even if it's for vacation, I usually do some work just to just maintenance stuff, like making sure I update databases, making sure I like answer emails, stuff like that. It doesn't take very, very long. Usually it's like sitting on the, you know, on the beach or something and answering some emails. I don't mind doing that. I think that that's kind of cool, actually. Um, so with that, it kind of sparked a few different points that I have and I think might help everyone out there. Um, and Matt, let, let me know if you have any questions along the way as well. Cause I know you, you don't do too much traveling, especially traveling and working. So I'm sure that your questions will be really relevant to people that are in the kind of the similar situation and maybe they want to start. So definitely interrupt me whenever you can, or whenever you see, you see fit as I'm going through this. Um, so my first point here is travel as light as possible. And uh, I say this when I know, like, obviously, when you travel, you still have to pack as much as you need. Uh, but I've noticed a lo- from just witnessing a lot of friends pack and a lot of family pack that they pack too much. And I'm referring to both like clothes and stuff and technology and stuff like that stuff that they need, you know, they think they need for their current work, or they think they need for what whatever's going to happen in the future. Like if you're going away for a week, 
Um, and you know what's going to happen. Like, you know, the, the, the type of stuff that you're going to be asked to do. That's what you should be packing. You shouldn't be packing to just in case have to, you know, render a massive database of, uh, of numbers, you know, like a million numbers that you've pretty much never done before. But maybe because someone could ask you for, maybe you're not, you're not packing to, you know, back up an entire server onto your computer, stuff like that. Like, so if, if you know that you're just going to be doing some maintenance work, make sure to pack all you would need just for that maintenance work. And that's it. If anything goes wrong or if anything has happened, you'll adapt to the situation. But what I'm saying is, is that there's no point in making your like backpack super heavy for no reason and putting strain on your back. There's no point in risking a bunch of equipment that you're going to be carrying because whenever you're traveling, it's always a risk for everything that you carry for either getting stolen or damaged or just wear and tear in general. Um, so it's important to kind of only take what you need. So for me, for me, one big thing that I kind of learned as I went is I definitely only take one laptop. So before, uh, when I had to do both Mac and Windows work, I was, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of MacBooks, but I would take, so I would have to take both laptops because my main laptop was a Windows machine and my side laptop was a MacBook just so I can get the iOS deployments done and test on Safari and stuff like that. And that was a terrible idea. I, I think I only did that once. Uh, and I was actually traveling from here, from Canada to Russia, which is a sometimes a 24-hour travel. And my back felt like fell apart. It was a disaster. <laughs> it was so heavy. And every time you uh, you go to security, and I had to pass through security like three times on my way there. Uh, you have to take out both laptops, put them in their compartments, put them all back. It's just a huge pain. And I definitely do not recommend to do that. So get the laptop that works for you. So not everyone will need a MacBook. Obviously, not everyone uh, will need a window, just a Windows machine. Maybe you'll need a MacBook. Um, so depending on what you do, you could get away with either one, but just choose one. If you want something that can handle everything, MacBook is the only one that can do that. Unfortunately, uh, there's not much, there's not much you can do about that. Like you have to go MacBook so that you can actually do Safari testing. And on MacBook, you can do, you can do Chrome and Firefox, uh, testing and stuff like that. Uh, and you can also do a boot boot camp to test all the Windows stuff. It's just that you have more options when you have a MacBook, unfortunately. Like they, there's no other way to put it. So carry one laptop. Make sure it's not too, too heavy. You don't need something that's super, super powerful if you're a web developer. If you're a data analyst or something like that, don't worry about that. You get, get yourself a, a nice beefy laptop and carry that. But if you're a web developer, you don't need a massive like, you know, huge GPU in there. You don't need uh, a, a super beefy processor. We're at, we can actually code on very, very lightweight devices. It's not a very CPU or graphic intensive job, which is a great thing for us. That means that we can travel light and we can go anywhere we want. One thing I do recommend, and this is kind of a, another preference thing, is uh, having a bigger screen. And I know that that goes against a little bit as travel as light as possible. But for me, like I, I have, it's still a thin laptop, the MacBook Pro that I have. Uh, so I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of weight to get more screen real estate because going from three monitors at home and as my main setup, my main work setup to one monitor and then having that monitor be a tiny 13 inch or 12 inch monitor, it's a really big, you know, a really big drastic difference. So I kind of have a, a hard time adjusting to that. So that's why I kind of go with a bigger screen nowadays. Um, the other thing that I do is I carry minimal amounts of cords. Uh, so I only carry the cords that I need, maybe one backup of something that's really important. So for mo most things now can, tr can charge by USB-C. So USB-C is the most important one. I usually carry maybe two of those, one like mini one, just in case. 
But you can buy a cord wherever you go. So if anything happens, don't worry about it. You can always buy a cord. They're not that expensive. So there's no point in carrying like five or six different cords just in case one breaks or if you want to charge a million things at once. Like it's just, it's not necessary. You'll find out when you get to a hotel room, you don't want to lay out all your stuff to, to charge anyway. You'll be charging stuff like periodically as you need it. That's how I do it. Like, so I'll charge my my phone in during the day usually i won't even charge it at night i'll charge my laptop overnight or something like that so i I have a different schedule when i'm traveling than when i'm at home and that i usually try to carry one cable nowadays laptops can even charge with USB-C, so you can literally carry your charger your laptop charger cable and that's it which is great um one of the things one of the things i was actually gonna uh interrupt you about was your comment about the larger screen and the reason why that what, what that made me think of was and it like yes, it goes against your idea to have something smaller, like to kind of make everything compact and be you know more utilitarian. But at the same time, what I what I the first thing I thought of was you kind of want to make sure that even though this is yes is yes this is your work device, it's also your personal device when you're on the go. So if you're planning on watching movies or something while you're on the plane, if it's a really long flight, or if you're gonna be I don't know in some sort of like cottage or something and you're just gonna watch movies at night, then you kind of need that extra screen. On top of that, if you're a big like photographer, make sure you have some sort of storage in that laptop. So you're not bringing another laptop or like another device to like back up your photos from your phone or from your camera. It's just so like sometimes your one device gets larger, but it's because it's saving you from bringing an entirely secondary device. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's true. Like my, my laptop has 512 gigs of storage and that's more than enough for all my needs. So I don't even bring a second hard drive anymore. I'll bring a USB stick just in case that I need to quickly transfer files here and there. But I use that very rarely. That can even go away at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's definitely a good point. Larger screen is definitely huge for entertainment and media consumption and stuff like that. So it, it, it's one of those things that I've, um, I think I've talked about before and I've talked with other developers about it. I've noticed a few people recommend 13 inch, uh, MacBooks and 13 inch, uh, Windows like surface devices. Um, and I've just like, I've done, I've tried it and it just isn't for me. I'm sure that many people can handle it, but I have had people come back to me and be like, yeah, it's a good, it's a good call that you recommended a larger screen because I can get like, you know, more efficient work done. So to, to each their own, definitely give, give both a shot if you're on the fence and see what, see what uh, works for you. So the second thing here is keep your desktop environment synced with your mobile environment as much as possible. So this is kind of an ongoing thing, and it's not just when you're going to travel. In my opinion, this is something you should be doing anyway, and we've talked about this many times before. So use stuff like Git, cloud storage, FTP, uh, stuff like that as much as possible rather than using your local drive. Um and as you start using it and using it more and more and making sure you commit more often and you push more often and you pull more often... Uh, you'll notice yourself just get into that rhythm. And then even when you're like not planning to be away and maybe you're away for the day and you need to get something done and it's an emergency, you can hop on a different computer, your friend's computer, download all your dev tools real quick and still be able to solve anything even when you haven't prepared for it. So it's one of the, it's an important thing to kind of keep up as a daily routine, but it's especially important, obviously, for when you're going to be traveling for a significant amount of time. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of, it's really easy to do as, 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 as long as you kind of get into the habit of doing it is what is my main point of this. Try to get into the habit as much as you can. Uh, and the, and the big thing that kind of leads the point that I have after this to that leads to that point is before you leave, try working on your mobile setup for a day to see if you have everything you need. So sometimes you'll like, if you, if you haven't worked on your laptop in a couple months, 
uh, first of all, all the updates won't be done. So you'll have, you'll go to your hotel room, you'll open it up and it'll be doing 50 million updates. And that'll, that'll like, it'll be a bad experience because you're going to be waiting for a while for it to do something and it'll keep telling you to restart. It's kind of a pain. I definitely recommend you a couple days before to fire up that laptop, try to go, go downstairs, go, go to a coffee shop, go somewhere else and try to work for a little bit without your main computer and see if everything is working fine as you would want it to work. Cause when you're at home, it's a lot easier to work through these problems than when you're traveling and you have to either VPN into your main machine or try to get someone else to go and turn it on and get some files off for you, stuff like that. It's a lot easier when you're actually there. So that, that's another little pro tip there. Um, another one is prepare for bad internet connections. You're going to be traveling. You don't know how good the internet connection is, no matter how much you read on TripAdvisor or whatever. Uh, you just don't know because it could go away. It could be spotty in the upstairs bedroom. It could be spotty in the office. It could be spotty wherever you're working. It could be a spotty connection. The good news is, is that web development actually for, doesn't need super fast speeds. We're, we don't really work a lot remotely. Like we can do a lot locally on our, on our machines. We can do a lot of local de- developer testing on our machines. We can do a lot of, uh, we can do a lot, we can do most of our work just completely on, on the machine. So it's, it's, it's still possible to work even with bad connections, as long as there is a connection, like you still need something because you still need to be firing to a server. You still need to test your APIs and stuff like that, but that doesn't require much. And the other positive about that is you'll get to experience what it's like for a lot of the people in the world. Uh, when you're testing your sites and you're testing it on a bad connection, Believe it or not, most of the people in the world are using connections that are even worse than that or just like that. So you get to kind of optimize your code a little bit, optimize your every, everything that you're doing, and you get to you get to have empathy for other people, and that may, well, it will make you a better developer, and it'll make your sites a little bit more efficient, and it'll make it it'll make it better for you. It'll make it better for you in the future when you're like coding up a site brand new. You'll think about these people being like, oh yeah, remember that time I was in that hotel room, terrible Wi-Fi. Uh, but I, I, I could load my page pretty quickly. So that was a good experience. So one, one thing I do to kind of elevate that is, uh, I keep larger files like stock images that I'm going to be using for different projects, icon packs, fonts, and s- sometimes even documentation. So if I'm going to be like working on a Vue.js thing, I'm, you can download their documentation and have it, uh, have it work offline for you. Uh, so you don't need to can even connect to their site. So that's kind of what I do or whatever other library you choose, right? Like all the different libraries out there have, uh, maybe not all, but a lot of them have a way for you to download it locally. And then you can kind of still use it even when you have a bad connection. Another positive about that is if you're on a plane for a long time, you can fire it up, still have some documentation to refer to while you're working. So you're not kind of stuck out of being able to Google or figure out some stuff. Obviously you can't Google, but you can at least figure out some questions that you have or what the API call is for a certain thing and stuff like that. Um, knowing what you need before you leave for travel will definitely help you narrow down what you need to store locally. So that's a, that's another one of those things for preparation sake. So when you're preparing before you leave, uh, you want to make sure to know what you're going to be doing while you're traveling. So if it's for a week, it's kind of an easy way to prepare because you usually know what's coming in the week ahead if it's a month-long travel which i actually have coming up in a little bit that's a little bit harder so it's a little bit like you're gonna you're gonna have to predict what you're gonna be doing and you're gonna have to adapt with it as you can so if you if 
if there's certain things that you know you're going to be working on, make sure they're locally stored. Make sure that you, you have access to them, even if there's no internet connection. And make sure if you do have a, if you do have an internet connection or if it's a slow internet connection, you can still kind of sit there and grab it slowly so that you can continue working and stuff like that. So it's, it's not going to time you out. Another thing that I, that's really important, uh, when you're traveling is get a decent pair of headphones that can block out noise. These don't have to be expensive. They don't have to be those Bose, those new Bose headphones that cost $500 or the Sennheisers or the Sony's. Like they're, they're great headphones. Don't get me wrong. If you have the money and you have the, the, the resources to spend it, get those headphones. They're the quiet comforts. Uh, I can't remember what the Sony's are called, but just search Sony noise, can- noise canceling headphones. They're amazing too. Um, but I think. Even, even ones that just have an in-ear system, uh, that aren't like the Apple, the, just the standard Apple, you know, ear, earbuds or ear, po- ear pods, whatever you call them. Anything that has an in-ear, uh, can, like in canal system where you can put it in, that helps a lot with noise cancellation. Uh, anything, you can get some cheaper ones. I think Bluedio offers some cheaper, uh, noise canceling, active noise canceling headphones. So you can definitely try those out. I have a couple of pairs. They've been pretty good, but lately what I've been using is the, um, I think there's the Yami air dots and they're wireless, like similar to AirPods kind of earphones. So you put them in, but they're, again, they're in ear. So they actually do cancel out some noise. And those have been great because it's just the, it's just the convenience factor for me. Over ears are great, but uh, I find on a plane for me, over ears, when I try to kind of put my head down, they get in the way of my pillow and it kind of hurts my ears a little bit. So when I have something that's a little bit smaller and in ear, I can be more comfortable. But that's again, that's completely a preference thing. I've seen a lot of people on planes with over ears. If that's your preference, there's plenty of options for you, but try to get a decent pair. Uh, the other thing. Oh, sorry. With that being said, I was going to say is, since you are bringing those headphones along, always always make sure you have actually some offline media as well downloaded because because otherwise you might not be able to. Maybe it's even because you're in a certain country so you can't l- listen to your Spotify playlist or watch like that movie on Netflix or whatever. So make sure you have it downloaded to some degree. So for example, like I always have a season of a show that I'm that I'm okay rewatching a few times just to like prevent boredom and then I always have Pulp Fiction on my phone because I'm a Pulp Fiction fanatic, but because <laughs> it's Pulp Fiction, because yeah. it's Pulp Fiction, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Make sure before you go. Uh, I don't even have this on here, but I do this every time. Is I go through, download a bunch of podcasts. Um, I download some Netflix stuff, like because you can use Netflix offline now, which is great for the for the plane. I download uh, usually an ebook. I give myself quite a bit of variety because you get bored of one thing. So if you download like 15 episodes of a podcast, you're probably going to get bored of listening to that or like listening to those episodes, even if they're different, obviously. Uh, you, you'll want to switch it up a little bit. Again, like Matt said, get some music on there to switch it up because sometimes you're on a plane for eight hours. Like that's, that's a lot of time to eat up. So just make sure that you have a lot of different things that you can do in that time. 100%. Good, good call, Matt. Um, so the next thing here is coffee shops are definitely your friend. So I've I've learned this. I I've done I've used this tip many many times in all different places around the world. So they usually have good Wi-Fi and they usually have good seating. So they're comfortable for you and they they allow you to do your job. You get a coffee, you just sit there and you work. And the good thing is is that a lot of people I that I know of will still go to coffee shops even when they're at home. Uh, just to, as a change of pace and as a change of scenery and they'll work there. So one thing it'll do is it'll kind of give you a better 
and more consistent routine. So when you, even when you're traveling somewhere that you're not comfortable with and you're, you're in a different environment, going to a coffee shop will put you back to like a more, uh, you know, uh, an environment that you're more familiar with and it'll make you a little bit more productive while you're doing while you're there. And it'll, it'll kind of let you assimilate to the culture, assimilate to the, to the surroundings a lot faster. If you're, especially if you, like I said, if you've gone to coffee shops to work before locally, it, they kind of carry, carry over across all the different countries and especially Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks is the same in every country and it's pretty much in every single country that you go to. So it's, it's convenient to, to be able to go there, sit down and use their facility to do, to get some work done. And this is especially where those headphones are going to come into play. Because it's going to be kind of noisy, obviously. Um, some people like the noise of coffee shops. I know sometimes I'll take off my headphones and just work with the noise. I don't mind, but I usually like to have headphones on for if I'm going to be working there for a while. Um, the other thing, and the kind of the, the hardest thing for me especially, is uh, get ready for different time zones. So when I went to Minneapolis, that was only an hour off. Uh, but even then I had to kind of like go into my head and be like, okay, so my meeting is at this time, not this time. I had to prepare for that a little bit. And I have like decent experience with time zones. And that was still kind of a, it threw me off a couple of times where I looked at my watch and I'm like, oh shoot, it's in 10 minutes, not in an hour and 10 minutes and stuff like that. When you're going to countries that are 10 hour differences, like a 10 hour change, that's a big adjustment. So you're, you're going away. Your clients still need your help. Like your, your clients still need to call you. You still need to have meetings, stuff like that. A 10 hour change means that it's going to be daytime there, nighttime where you are, nighttime there, daytime where you are. And you have to adjust to that. So it's, a, it's a very strange adjustment and it's something that you have to kind of prepare for. Uh, because think about it. Your, your normal working hours are during the day. So eight to five. That's their evening, so they might not be able to have meetings with you because it's not their working hours. So what you'll have to do is usually work your normal hours and then schedule your meetings for the evening, so like after 10 o'clock or after 9 o'clock. And before bed, make sure you sit down and have a meeting, and it's usually you know a fairly interactive meeting, so you have to be awake for it. And it, it changes the day, and I think it's definitely adaptable. Like I definitely adapted to it. I've done it. I did it for uh, I think a month and a half one time where I would work my normal day from anywhere between eight to four or something like that, and then have another hour or two hour meeting in the evening. And the the positive here is that uh, after the meeting, you kind of go to bed. Uh, that's how I worked it out. And it worked out for me. And it was okay. And then in the morning, when you wake up, you digest the meeting and you do everything that the like, you, you move on with all the bullet points that you got from the meeting. And you have a whole day to kind of tackle that and then you have another meeting to discuss what you've done and move on to the next day so that, that's if you have stand-ups like daily stand-ups with the team that's kind of how you would handle it and it's not too too bad uh, if you have a meeting that requires immediate action however so if you have a meeting about like a potential serious severe issue and it's at 10 o'clock at night and you have to solve it before you go to bed that's a that's another serious problem obviously because you're going to be up till like 2 3 a.m if it's a serious problem and then you have to wake up early and continue doing your regular work that's where you have to kind of appeal to the client and ask them if it's okay if you if they can accommodate your time your time difference and so in that case if they can, they would have a meeting with you in their evening. So maybe like seven or eight o'clock at their time, uh, p like PM, and you would be able to then handle everything that they need with immediate action right after their meeting. And by the time they wake up the next day, everything would be solved for them kind of thing, which is another positive of having two different time zones. 
So take the positives wherever you can get them because it definitely kind of gets hectic sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, it's an, it's not a very easy thing to adjust to, but it's not impossible. That's a thing. It's definitely doable. So don't be afraid to travel. Don't be afraid to, you know, go out there and do your work at, in different places. Uh, if you have to go, like, you know, see family across the country or go see family somewhere else, you can still definitely get your job done if you're a contractor and, you know, and, or if your company can accommodate those, uh, those hours while you're not in office. Talk to, talk to your clients, talk to your boss, stuff like that. It's all definitely doable. Just explain how you're going to accomplish the goal. And I'm sure that they can accommodate. That's kind of what I've, what I've, uh, realized while I've been doing this. Um, with that, I think, uh, I'm going to move on to the travel kit that I currently use. Uh, unless Matt, you have any questions, comments? I have a question, uh, which I think yeah. might spark a bit of a conversation. So I'll, I'll ask it now and then you can cool. either do it before or after the travel kit. So one of the things that you said right at the beginning was you're, I don't know whether you said you're not a fan of, but you don't, you, you just don't like kind of unplug. Like some people will, some people will like completely like shut off their email notifications. They won't check stuff. They won't blah, blah, blah. Do you think though that it would be, and not from a medical perspective, because we're not doctors, but do you think from just your own experience, do you think it's unhealthy to not be able to, or even to not want to disconnect in that way? Because like, I would say that when you do disconnect, because I had disconnect, I have had to disconnect before I've gone to Cuba before and they have just terrible reception there and everything else, right? So Mm. what it is there is I was kind of anxiously checking the phone all the time like normal, but then I just got used to the fact that I wasn't checking the phone and then I just didn't. And then I, when I came back, then I checked it and it actually took me a while to get back to checking the phone again, if that makes sense. So it was a big break in the routine of constantly checking the phone, slowly not checking the phone, then back to checking the phone. Do you not think that that transition, that break is healthy? Like, do you never want to do that? Or like, it, or is it more of a passion thing? Like you're passionate about, you're doing your work. So you, you want to do like, like what is your take on that? I guess is my yeah, question. So, so yeah, it's a good question because it's, it is kind of a, I guess a controversial thing for me to say that I don't disconnect. Because a lot of people would be like, well, you have to disconnect to recharge and stuff like that. Um, and I don't disagree with that notion. But for me, uh, when I mean this, when I mean like I check, I just check my email, make sure there's no emergency, and then I move on with my life kind of thing. And that gives me peace of mind. And it makes me more relaxed. Like I'll, once it's like six o'clock at night, right? Like, and we're going out to party or we're, we're having a few drinks, we're by the campfire, whatever. I won't be checking my phone, obviously. During work hours, though, if we're doing something that allows me to check my phone, like I'm not going to go out of my way and like if I'm in the middle of the of the lake, like swim back and then like start checking my phone. I'm not going to do that. But if I'm around my phone, I like to check it to make sure that there's no emergencies. Again, like I don't like to leave it for a very long time and then come back and have a potential to there be like some sort of crazy thing. So it's kind of an anti-anxiety thing for me. Like I don't want there to be some like I don't want to leave someone hanging for a long time and uh, stuff like that. Like I won't answer every email that I get, but I'll, if there's something that I can answer really quick with like a couple of words, I will answer that. I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me. Like it doesn't, it, it, I, I'm still, I'm still relaxing. I'm still okay. Um, if it's something more intensive, again, I have an out of, out of office notification. They'll know that I'm, I'm, I'm out of office. So it's kind of like, I, I do what I want to do. And I think that's where my 
disconnecting happens instead of like when I'm in work hours where I have to, you know, check every single email and respond to every single email, even if I don't want to. So I don't mind that. And again, it is kind of a passion thing for me because we have a small business. If I was working for a different company, it might be a completely different thing. Like, cause you're not, you know, we're working for ourselves here, Matt and I. So we are investing any time that we invest is time is money that we get back is better client experience that we that they receive and so so on and so forth. So it's kind of like and I don't know if it's a necessary thing, but in my eyes, it's kind of necessary for us to have to check sometimes. And obviously, like you said, with Cuba, sorry, I had to take a drink there. With Cuba, there's no choice for you. Like, you can't check there. Yeah. So you have to disconnect, and you tell everyone you have to disconnect, and you disconnect, and that's fine. But when you can, I, I usually check. Well, that that's interesting that you mentioned that, because I was actually going to say that – so, like, right now I'm kind of doing some family stuff, which I'm not going to get into, but, like, I'm kind of – like, we're recording this episode as a prime example. Uh, we are – like, I was answering some people yesterday for stuff like that. Like, I'm still sort of there. Like, I'm not always, I'm not, like, sitting at my desk, you know, for the next few days. But I'm going to be, like, checking emails and that type of thing. But what's in, what the thing that actually made me think of this was, you're right about the anxiety about things building up when you're gone. But for some reason, me telling people that I'm going to be disconnecting, like you were saying, before you leave, you know, if you're leaving to a place that doesn't have connection, just to tell everyone, hey, guys, I'm leaving at this time you know, whatever, contact me before this if you need help or anything, but I can't do, I can't help you between these dates. That, like, completely removes my anxiety strangely. And I wonder if it's more so, like, I don't know whether you get more anxious about doing the work itself, or, like, I get more anxious about, I think, the people being left hanging. But if I tell them a few days before, and they don't get back to me, and then they panic in the middle of my vacation, I don't care i don't know whether that's bad to say but like you know what i'm trying to say it's i don't think it's bad to say because you're like i think my way is probably the more like like i said the more controversial way sure that might be the bad way to handle it because again you're gonna if you never disconnect you might get burnt out but like with my my logic is that i am disconnecting because i'm not forcing myself to do anything like none of the stuff that i'm answering is something that i that i don't want to answer it's usually stuff that i'm more than happy to answer a question here you know what i mean like it's that i'm not doing anything that i don't want to do during a vacation is what i'm trying to say because i don't i don't mind a lot of the communication that i have with clients i don't mind that like i I like that communication a lot of the little things that i do on my day on a daily basis for work i don't mind that if i have to do that on a vacation that doesn't bother me if that makes sense yeah i was actually trying to i was actually kind of thinking that and maybe maybe it's just different types of people but even if I'm not, even if I'm not on, like on a vacation, but like let's say I go out someplace, so like I, I, I've worked my hours, whatever, and I go out in the evening. If I, I'm not one of those people that will oftentimes pull out my phone and just sit there and text. If that makes sense, you know how some people will be at the dinner table or like whatever or at the event, and then they'll just like kind of suddenly pull out their phone and the whole thing gets silent. When that happens, I kind of do that in response to everyone doing that. And if I'm doing that, it's usually because I am planning something very specific, like something needs to be done now kind of thing, or something very interesting came in. But I'm very, I very strangely, those are like micro disconnects, like for like an hour or two, right? But I very strangely don't really check my phone. Like when I even, when even when I record the other, like I have another podcast as well, like when I record that, you know, we, we go to the studio and it's like kind of like an ordeal. I don't really check my phone that much that night, even. 
So I don't know whether it's just different different phone etiquette, different like types of working thing. I don't know. It might be because I usually get fired up really fast. And so I need to, you know what I mean? Because I'll just like get really fired up and then I'll That's be fine true. again. So maybe I'm just like, okay, I need to have a point in which I won't get fired up really fast because I'm going to get fired up tomorrow probably kind of thing. <laughs> so maybe that's it. I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. It's, in- it's interesting for to hear sure. all the different ways. Um, and it actually be kind of interesting to hear from the, the listeners as well about how they deal with it. Because some people, I remember reading a couple articles in the past that some people just love to just travel and work. Like they specifically go like, I'm going to work in or on this beach. I'm going to, I don't know if you've read any of those, but some people will be like, I'm a, maybe a, a small to medium business owner. I'm going to go work on this beach. Well, I I would be I would consider myself one of those people. Okay, that's a thing. Like I don't I don't mind traveling and working. That's why I'm, we're doing this episode right now right. because I've done it. I've done it considerable amounts of like a few years now, right? Like f- three or four years where I've gone for multiple months every year, and I've worked on the go in different countries and stuff like that. And I I I do like it. I like the different environments. I like that. There's obviously some negatives, and I'll the, the biggest negative, and this very much ties into the episode, is you're losing your home setup. So when you travel, I have three screens here at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I travel, I have one screen. Like I mentioned that a little bit, but it that that is a huge detrimental to my efficiency, right? Like your home, your home base is gone. Exactly, my home base is gone, which is which is a problem. But I think what outweighs it is the different environments allow me. And this is, again, a preference thing to be more efficient because I know I only have a three, couple hours here, three hours here, four hours here. So I can really like nail down and just sit there and get my work done. And for me, then again, every person will have a different experience with this, I think. And you could try it out for yourselves out there. Uh, but I'm more productive if I have a change of scenery every once in a while. So I, that's why I go to coffee shops. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That's why I go to different places. Like I'll go to the botanical gardens here in town. I'll go to coffee shops. I'll do do what I need to do uh, to get stuff done. Because sitting, even with my awesome setup, I will get burnt out just sitting in my room all day and coding from one spot for like a, even a week or two straight, if that makes sense. Let me ask you this then, actually, a follow-up question to that. So you're saying that you, because you kind of have limited time, like maybe an hour in this coffee shop, two hours here, whatever, you're kind of more efficient. But do you find yourself doing the same type of work? So a prime example would be, I would find, I would say that I'm very, very efficient when I'm out and about because I don't really go to coffee shops that much to work. I like to just kind of be at my home desk. However, like we, like we've done it, for example, and stuff like that. Um, and I've done it myself a couple times. And what I'll, what I find is I'm very efficient at doing my communication and I'm very efficient at getting things started. Uh, anything communicative, like even quote, like even quoting things, stuff like that. I'm very, very efficient at when I'm at those places. But I find that if I need to like sit down and just do something, like even something that I find natural now, like CSS, I can't do that, that more technical stuff when I'm in public like that or in a different environment. Like, I mean, I'm sure I could do it at somebody else's desk. I don't know whether it's because it's noisy or what it is, but I just, uh, like, do, do you find yourself doing different work and you're, you're leaving? Cause what I, what I would, what I would normally do is I'll go out, do something and I say, okay, I did this, this, and this, and I left this, this, and this for home. Do you find yourself doing that or do you just do anything and everything? Uh, so, so you know, that's an extremely good point. My, I go out to, coffee shops around here to do writing for the most part okay 
Okay. So I'm my writing while in public places is much better than my writing at home. I don't know what it is, but it's like 100% of the time I can write probably 10 times as fast in a coffee shop than I can at home. Okay. Which is weird. But that's not saying like, again, I've had to do month-long traveling trips where I had to work. So I had to adapt and be able to do all the technical stuff as well. But for sure, like you say, like you're saying, my most my most efficient thing while I'm in a coffee shop is writing. Whereas everything else might take a little bit of a knock, but I have been getting better at it. Okay, interesting. Okay, so it might yeah. it might be. That's interesting. It's like now I think, I... I think it's one of those things where you just have to do it for a while. Yeah, like if you, if you had no choice. You would get you would get your CSS done. Oh, uh, of course! Like if it was like a panic, yeah. there, there's a there's a whole different dynamic. It's almost like I guess the human brain doing it. Where when yeah. when there's like a panic or a, a set amount of urgency, you will just go ham and get it done. Perseverance is essentially it. But that's mm-hmm. super interesting to me. I wonder if I wonder if my writing because I know I did communicative, but I've never done like I wonder if I'd be able to like really bang out articles because I have a lot of like, article ideas. It. You should try it. Just go go to like a Tim Hortons or a Starbucks or whatever, whatever is near you and just sit down and try to write something. Because honestly, it's it's night and day for me. Like I can barely write at home. Like I, I can write and I can usually nail something, something out, but it's not as good. I, I've noticed my quality is also worse. Okay. Interesting. Which is weird. But yeah, to, to each their own. Obviously, everyone's different in, in that kind of way, but it, it's definitely a different take on it and a different mindset. So it's a good thing you brought it up. Um, with that though, I'm going to move on to my travel kit and I'll go through this quickly because we've talked about a lot of these things before and I don't really have too much. Like I said, I like to travel light. Uh, so again, main laptop is that 2013 15 inch MacBook pro, uh, with the charger. Obviously that's what I carry. Uh, I have my two pairs of headphones. One is the wireless Xiaomi air dots. Uh, they're like pretty awesome, fairly cheap wireless headphones. They're not on the level of, uh, of AirPods for price, but I think in in terms of sound quality and features, they're definitely up there. Uh, the other thing I carry is a wired pair of headphones because, like Matt would say, I have that old disgusting, disgusting port, port. Uh, disgusting port. Yeah, it's it's terrible on my phone, uh, and I like to have that just in case you know, with any Bluetooth device, it could break or the battery could run out. So I want to have something that I can at least use. And again, they're like as they're Xiaomi pistons. I don't want to. I'm not a Xiaomi spokesperson here, but I have used a lot of their stuff and price to performance wise, if you import from China, they are hella good value. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, I have a 2018 iPad, just a regular iPad. Uh, I use that for work. I do a lot of testing on the iPad because a lot of the apps that we create are for exactly that iPad kind of thing. Uh, so it's a great testing device. I kind of have to carry it. And because I have to carry it, I've installed an app called Duet, which allows me to use it as a secondary screen. So now I have two screens for my laptop. And I know with uh, the new macOS version, Catalina, it'll come native into the uh, into the system. So I probably won't have to use that app anymore. But while I, can't, I don't have that because it's not the fall yet, uh, I use this separate app and it works just as well, I think. Uh, the other thing I carry is a Kindle e-reader just for reading books. Uh, I do read a few, um, development books here and there or business books, stuff like that. So I, it's part of my pack. I read other books, obviously. Like I, I do, I do read quite a bit and especially while I travel, that's kind of one of the thing I do to relax on a plane. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of planes, by the way. 
I mean, I, I've been on them so many times and I still kind of, I don't know if I get nervous. I just, I hate being cramped in that seat for so long. Even if it's for like an hour and a half, I'm just like, this kind of sucks. You're just sitting here and. And you, and you have less of a cramping problem because I'm a rather large man. Yeah, so exactly. I'm, I'm really so... cramped <laughs> to be, to be blunt. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I do not, I do not enjoy being cramped and I do not, I don't think you would enjoy it either on a plane. That's for sure. Um, the other thing is I carry is a power bar. Uh, it has a couple like outlet prongs and a, and three USB ports on it and it has an extension cord to it. So that's super useful for whenever you're, again, you're at a coffee shop and you need to power up. If the outlet's not right beside you, you can still connect to it. If you're at a hotel and you want to charge all your devices, you can just plug, push that in, put all your USB ports, USB things in there and you're good to go. Uh, I highly recommend carrying a power bar. That's a, that's a little, lesser known thing to carry while you're traveling and i have a small one it's like a little cube uh don't carry one of those big ones like a surge protector you don't need that but a, a nice small one with a couple prongs a, cu- a couple outlets uh two or three and usb ports is a huge plus i highly recommend it uh and then i carry kind of one USB C, one U- micro usb and one lightning cable i know they sell those that have like all three on one but uh, i don't have one of those and I'm not willing to spend the money on it because I have all the cables that I possibly need. So that's what I carry. Uh, a water bottle. Water bottle is pretty big. Uh, when you're going on a plane, you can't carry a like actual liquid water with you across security. But what you can do is you can carry an empty water bottle and then fill it up at the water fountains. And you don't have to buy their $10 waters at the airport. So it's another travel tip. Uh, and I found... With with a, with drinking more water while you're traveling, you don't get that weird stomach feeling that you get on a plane. Like sometimes I'll have like a really, I don't know, gassy stomach and like it just hurts while I'm flying. If I drink more water, that usually goes away. So it's another thing. Uh, what I, Another thing I carry is actually just a portable uh, USB key. Uh, I think it's like 16 or 32 gigs. Uh, just like I said before, just in case I have to quickly transfer files or something like that. Again, I haven't used that probably in the last like two or three trips that I've been on. So that might even leave my pack because mostly everything is done online. I can send anyone a file that I want to. Uh, there's on, on Mac devices, there's I think AirDrop it's called. Um, that's really convenient, especially through from my iPad to my uh, MacBook. I can do AirDrop, no problem. Uh, and the last thing here is a wireless mouse. And uh, I like the touchpad on the MacBook, but when I have to sit down and do some serious work, I still use a mouse. So with that being said, that's really all I need to carry with me in terms of tech. Obviously, I have my clothes and all that crap. Uh, but other than that, that's it. That's all I carry. I don't have anything extra. That's that's all you really need. You don't need to carry 10 pairs of headphones. Like I've seen some people carry like four or five different headphones, uh, which is crazy to me. I don't know why. Uh, oh, the other thing I do carry is a battery, an external battery, just one, uh, it's a small 10,000 milliamp hour one, uh, like it's a lot of battery power, but it's kind of in pretty compact shape. So I have that charged and ready to go if I need it. I have been finding that most flights that I've been on have outlets, so I haven't been needing it. Uh, but you don't, you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know what kind of power the hotel is going to have. You don't know if you're going to be traveling on a bus for like 10 hours at some point. So it's good to have at least one of those. Uh, with that being said, I, I think that's it for my travel tips and the travel kit. I'll pass it off to Matt for web news or if he has any other comments on this stuff. I was just wondering, and I assume it is, all that stuff is in your carry-on? That's not your yes. checked luggage? Yeah, I don't, I don't check anything 
like that in my checked luggage. Okay. The only thing I'll check sometimes is like an HDMI cable or something. I mean, yeah, you just wrap it in a shirt. Yeah, and then, exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah, because yeah. last couple of times I've had luggage come out, it's been one time that had a bunch of ice on it. And the other yep. time it was just soaked. So I was like, well, good thing I don't have like a, I don't know, I don't know why I wouldn't have, I don't know why I would have a TV in there, but I was gonna, I was about to say a good thing I don't have a TV in there or something else electronic. That, yeah, yeah bring no. that in your travel kit. There's a match travel kit. Just bring a TV in your, in your. 50 <laughs> inch TV. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. 30 inch. We're going all okay, the way. We're paying, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah we're paying. So, sorry. That was <laughs> 50 inch was too big, but 30 inch, that's totally logical. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so this week's web news is going to be all about wearables, more specifically about Wear OS. So Mike and I have very similar watches. I think you have the Gen 3 Fossil, um, yep. and I have the Gen 4 Fossil. Now, I don't remember exactly which Fossil it is. Mine has, like, the little little points on the ridges. It's the one with the, the three it's buttons. the Explorer, Explorist? Explorist or, or something, Explorist Q or something like that. But regardless yeah. of which, my, my my beef is not with the hardware, my beef is with the Wear OS, which is across, which is Google's uh, platform for smartwatches, essentially. So, on this watch, and it's been across a couple of other watches, so it's been on mics, and I've seen it on a couple other watches, I have a lot of random Google Assistant activations. I find the microphone for speech-to-text takes forever. I find the messages, so when I receive, like, a text message, and I click in, it's slow. Like, I'll click in and be like, I would like to, like... You have to click into the message and then say reply and then say, I want to click on the the microphone. Like it's slow is what I'm saying. It's a slow process from a UX perspective. It reacts slow because the microphone doesn't turn on itself all the time. I have multiple times where I'll be trying to read something and then suddenly the screen becomes unresponsive and I just can't use the screen anymore and for because and, it's loading something. So I just have to like wait for like 10 minutes and all of a sudden the screen starts working again or I can force restart it. Like what I'm getting at here is that I feel like Despite there's despite the the fact that there have been updates like the cards and other things, Wear OS is being neglected. And what's sad about that is the fact that so Samsung makes their own smartwatches, right? The Galaxy like the Galaxy smartwatch lineup, and they don't even use Wear OS. They use Tizen or Tizen or whatever it's called because it's literally just better from what I hear from people. It's more money, but it is again just better. And that can also be seen on the Apple side of things with uh, the Apple Watch, where the Apple Watch is actually getting a bunch of updates, a bunch of support. You know, everybody from the people who use it for sport reasons, just for notifications, just to whatever. Because I've I've had several times where, so I, a bunch of my friends they all use iPhones, and what I have is like I'll be trying to answer somebody on my watch, and all of a sudden I'll just stop, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, my watch is frozen." And they're like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's pretty standard. Like it just..." What I'm getting at here is that this watch, watch Wear OS, in my opinion, from my experience, and I've been, a, I've had an Asus Zen watch too in the past, and I have this thing, is that Wear OS is not optimized. It seems forgotten, and no one seems to care about it for whatever reason. And with that being said, the experience from a UX perspective is like really bad, in my opinion. I don't know about, I don't know if you get the same impression, Mike, as that. But what my question is, is what does Google need to do? To refresh Wear OS, should they abandon ship and allow other things like TickWatch and I actually TickWatch might use Wear OS now. So like let's just it does. okay. So let's let's say let's say the Samsung stuff. So should they just allow like the Android market for smartwatches be dominated by Samsung? Uh, should they allow like somebody else come in, someone similar to like let's say Pebble, like what Pebble used to be? Like maybe should they allow someone else in there? And just should should Google be hands off? Like like what's your opinion on the state of Wear OS? And what would you like to see from it to make it like an Apple Watch contender? Okay. Uh, so 
I have a lot to say on this topic. Um, Wear OS, I, I don't think there's a problem with Wear OS, in my opinion. I don't think Wear OS is the issue. So I, I think usability-wise, like the actual functions, when they work, when they work, and my, I have the same problems that you do. I'm not saying that I don't have those problems. Those problems, the exact same ones that you said happened to me. Uh, not super often, but they, and often enough to annoy me. When they work, when everything works, I think it works just fine. When I need to, so I think I, I I like all the functionality of it. If if that if that makes sense, yes, I, I yeah, definitely okay. If if the, yeah, if if you agree with that, so where 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 OS or where Google watches are falling behind is the processing power. So this processor in our watches, even though your watch is newer than mine, it's the same processor, right? It's um, I think seven years old. The processor. Holy crap. Yeah, seven or eight years old. Like it, it, it's on the level of like the S4 or something like that. Or the S3. S3 or S4. It might be the S3 even. Okay. Okay. So that that's the technology that they're that's using pretty bad. for it. Yeah. So why the Apple Watch is so much better is because it has performance level. Like the processor that it has is a more power efficient and has performance that are like 20 times better efficient. Like just period. Samsung is about 10 or 15 times better. Again, they're using a different like, processor. Like, like literally watches. 10 or 15 times better. Like the not yeah, I'm not exaggerating here. I'm not exaggerating. Okay. 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 So that's that is in my opinion the only thing holding up Wear OS. Now there is an there was an announcement that was made a few months ago that said that they are putting a new pro, uh, watch processor out in the next year. That will be on the same level as probably the Samsung one. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Who's doing that? Snapdragon? Snapdragon, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because Samsung is allowed to use their own processors. Uh, that's why they're allowed, they, they were able to get more efficiency and better power. Like the Samsung watches, the watching operate, the watch operating system is worse than Wear OS, in my opinion. Okay. I've played around with it. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like the functionality of it. But how smooth it is. Is it's night and day. Like you can't compare them. Yeah, th- that's more what I was comparing. Like I've never used it. Yeah, but seeing it, seeing it be used, it looks really nice. Exactly, and the battery life. Like I mean, on, on the Samsung watches, you can get like three days, no problem. Oh wow, okay. And it's and it's literally all because processor. So it might once that is solved, and I think it will be solved in the coming year with Fossil's resurgence and the fact that Google bought, I think, half the Fossil staff. I don't know if you knew about that. Something about the wearable division, I remember, yeah. Google bought like half the wearable, wearable division of Fossil. So they're probably working on their own watch. And I'm, Google, there was rumors of Google working on a watch that was supposed to be launched at the last I.O., which it was never launched. I'm guessing because they, they made it, put the old processor in there, I'm like, this is not usable. Yeah, honestly. So we can't. Like, I'm, not, I'm not launching. We're not launching something that's not usable. So once this new processor launches, once Google launches a smartwatch, I don't think they have to change much in Wear OS. I think the the progress that they made is already good, like functionality wise. Now I don't use a, the the smartwatches for more than checking my notifications. I don't typically answer on them unless it's one of those quick answer things. You're right. Like right. one of the ta- like one of the things that they're sorry, like yes, no, or that sounds good. What whatever. Like they they give you suggestions. I don't answer on it. I don't call anyone on it. I only check it for steps, check it for the time, uh, and the date, like that, that, and and the weather, which is all on like the the single watch face. 
So I don't have too many issues with it as it currently is. Right. I like this watch. The fossil watches are great. I'd still recommend even as long as you keep your expectations low, like you're not going to be, you know, playing doom on this thing or whatever. I don't know what else. Like you, You're not going to have a great time if you're going to go into it thinking that I'm going to use the watch to replace my phone or I'm going to use the watch a lot to message people like you do, right? Like you, 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 you would prefer to use the watch to message people sometimes. Oh yeah. Like the phone will be charging or if I yeah. just decide, if I just decide to do it, I'll be like, why can't I just talk? Cause I, I like to talk to my phone too. I just like the yeah. speech to this, the, the speech to text is a lot faster now. And so it's like, you know, a similar accuracy level, at least in my, my experience when the microphone actually activates. And so I would love to do that. I'd also love to be able to use the Google Assistant more reliably without it having just constantly just activating. And then I get like a notification saying that it didn't hear me or something. And I'm like, I didn't activate you. So my suggestion is uh, for people out there that want a smartwatch, don't want to pay a lot of money, uh, just want to kind of have a fancy watch that tells the time and gives you notifications and counts your steps. Go for it. Get a get a fossil watch. The fossil the new fossil watch just came out. Actually, um, it looks pretty good. It's fine. Again, it doesn't have that new processor in it that I was talking about. Right. So you're not going to be doing much with it consistently. If you want to do more, wait. Or get a Samsung. I don't know when. Or get a Samsung. Yes. Or get a Samsung. Or, or buy an iPhone. In my or an opinion, Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, an Apple. Well, I mean, the Apple Watch has leagues ahead. Like you can't. It's honestly, it's almost not comparable at this point. The only thing, the only thing I'll say is I, I use active, like always on display. Okay. Apple watch doesn't have that. Right. So, and that, that pisses me off. I used to use that, but it, it started killing my battery super fast. Like I would find that it would, you know, act appropriate where I'd charge it every night kind of thing. I don't know whether you charge yours every night, but like I would have, yeah, I would have like my always on display. But what I found was, you know, sometimes like with, with all Android devices, you'll have like an app just run away with your battery. I found that for whatever reason with the always on display, I don't know whether it was like keeping something in the foreground or whatever, but I found that it was doing that like quite often, like way more often than it should have been doing it. And so I had to turn yeah, off me, the always for on. Me, do you use the default uh, fossil watch? Yeah, I just left it. Yeah. So for me, um, and I do too. The only time that my my watch runs out of battery is if I accidentally don't plug in the charger all the way. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. The the, the charger, yeah, the, is a the pain. charging, the charging on these fossil watches isn't the greatest. Did you have to clean yours? I had rust on the back of mine. I had to clean mine. No, I haven't had that because, yet. Because because what it was, and I, and I'm assuming here, but what it was is so on the back of this watch, um, there's like the two rings where it's like the two pins will connect, but there's like the back. You know, there's like the back that's like that black plastic that holds it all together. I believe that that uh, has yeah. a metal ridge that that's what rusted on mine. So it wasn't yeah, the, you know what? You're not the only one. You're not the, it, but uh, I, I just, I just scraped it off and I went away like whatever, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I have heard, I had heard of that happening on your, on your particular model. Mine model, I don't think has that. Your model has that. Your model also has the issue where the back would just fall off. That's a pain in the ass. Uh, but it was it was only one batch. Okay, yeah. Like I think, like I I really like this watch. Like I think it looks nice. Yeah. I, I like it for the time. I usually have it on. Like for the most part, it's just the fact that like it it it's so unreliable in terms of like like the hardware is fine, screen's great, everything. So Fossil yeah. themselves did a great job, in my opinion. Which is why, like, I don't really. Which is why, like, I'm not dwelling on the fact that it's a fossil watch. What I'm dwelling on the fact is, like, Wear OS is a, is a damn mess. Like, 
Wear OS 2.0 that released a while ago was a was a big leap and bound forward. You could click on the notifications, you could reply and everything else, but then it just kind of fell stagnant. I'm not using cards on this thing. I'm not doing anything because Mm-mm. every single time I go to go use it, 90% of the time there's some sort of problem. My screen freezes, like my, my crown stops working. It, it it tries to activate the assistant. It it won't work. Like it just like it's all frozen up. Like it just keeps messing up, messing up, messing up. And it doesn't it. Most people would just say wipe it and redo it. Well, I've done that and it does work great for like a week and then it starts doing it again. It, but you're right. Like I would say you're definitely right about the processor. I never really thought of it because it doesn't get hot. So I didn't really think of it. But you're right. These weird things is like stuff getting stuck in the threads and such. Like the technical threads for those that like aren't aware of hardware stuff like that. But like it's literally getting like it's stuff getting, you know, one process just taking 100% of the CPU. Like, I need to check the time really quick, and your phone's dead, or your your watch is dead. Like, I've actually had it where I've held my watch up to my face, because I don't have the always-on anymore, so it, like, does the gesture, and it's shown me the wrong time for, like, 20 or 30 seconds, because it was trying to, like, sync the time, I guess. And so I've, like, gotten the wrong time before, I've been like, oh, Jesus, like, I'm late, or like, oh, Jesus, it's not that late. And then I go look at another clock, and I'm like, oh, my God, I am late now. <laughs> Like, so it can't even do the one thing that it needs to do. Because, But it's because of, like, I think, whether it's an app I have installed or what it is, but the fact of the matter is, is it's not, like, it can't keep up, right? It, it It's the equivalent of, like, I know I know there's a difference, obviously, between CPUs and, and, and hard drives, but it's literally, like, with my older laptop, where we're putting, like, the mechanical drive was such a detriment, and literally an SSD was an actual miracle drug for it. 40 minutes, 40 minutes, that's not an exaggeration, to boot, down to about 14 seconds. Yeah. Crazy. That's why, okay, and on that point, quickly, Windows 10, when it detects a, a mechanical drive, should not let you install it. Or, in, in my opinion, opinion, what it should do is it should install a lesser service. Stop trying to sync crap. Stop trying to check yeah. my notifications or do whatever. But- Stop doing lo- like location services. You're accessing the drive too much. Stop yeah. those processes. Like, what's wrong with you guys? Super fetch, whatever. Because that's all I ever heard of her was like, oh, you super fetch this. And, and people were freaking out because, like, they were saying, like, my drive is super slow. Like, my computer is super slow now. Like, I don't know what the heck's going on. And it was always the disk. It was never the CPU. It was never the RAM. It was always this. And what would happen is you would go into the services and you would disable certain things that people would suggest. Like, oh, disable super fetch. Disable this. Disable that. And it would work sometimes. It'd just be like, it'd all of a sudden be amazing. Your computer would work fine. It'd be like super fast, just like an SSD, no problems. You boot it up again the next time and it's freaking doing it again because some other thing is starting to trying to fire up, fire itself up, checking maps or whatever the hell else it's checking. It's too much. It's too much on it. Like that's a bottleneck and clearly on these watches, it's the CPU that's the bottleneck. Yep. So yeah. And like you said uh, earlier where you just don't use the tiles, you don't you. Like, I don't use 90% of the functionality of the watch because I know that if I were to use it and I really needed it, it's not going to work. That, and, and that sucks. Like, off the, I, yeah. I would love to just be able to quickly – like, like I, I mentioned in this show, episode where I'm not a person that if I'm at an event will constantly check their phone unless, like, the people around me doing it. Then I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm checking my phone um, or, you know, unless there's other circumstance there. But the point of the matter is I'm not, I'm not like, constantly, constantly, constantly checking my phone like some people do or, like, vlogging or something. So I would yeah. like to have – my phone in my pocket and I would like to just be able to like look at my watch and be like, okay, you know, and just like talk into it like, oh, I'll be there in 10 minutes or like, oh, I'm in this place right now. Can't talk or whatever. So, yes, 
And I do this, and essentially we can't do that. But one thing I want to ask you, and I, I, I want, I want to know if you've run into this issue. Okay. Uh, the watch is supposed to be the thing that like prevents you from looking at your phone in a meeting or when you're like in a one-to-one session. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't have to be rude and pull out your phone in front of someone to check on an emergency email that you're waiting on. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. That's what the watch is supposed to yeah. be. Yeah. What I've had, uh, and this is with the older generation usually. Is if I'm talking to the older generation and we're, we're having a conversation and my watch buzzes and I check it, they think that I want to end the conversation. Yes. Because 100%. it's like I'm looking at the time. Yeah. Have you noticed 100%. that? 100%. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll get that's, that where they're that's like. something that I've consciously stopped doing now because I don't want. Because I, I literally had people be like, oh, do you need to go somewhere? Like, are we ending the conversation? I've literally had that happen like two or three oh, times. Oh, yeah. Now. Yep. Uh, my, my, I was like, no, 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 I'm, I, this is a smartwatch. Like, I have to explain myself. I'm like, this is a smartwatch. Which the whole de- defeats the whole purpose of it being subtle. <laughs> and it, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but that's happened a couple of times. So I, now I've got to adjust where, like, my phone will vibrate, my watch will vibrate, and I won't look down as, if I'm in a conversation. So, I mean, I think that's correct. That's the etiquette. That's proper etiquette. Uh, if you're with a young, like, if you're, if, if you and I are talking and you check your watch or if I check my watch, we're not going to care. No, no. Cause we know the, we know what that is. Or even, or even check our phone. You know I mean? Like, I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's more of a generational exactly. thing, but you're right. Like, cause, cause people used to only check their watch, especially take a long look at their watch if they were like concerned yes. about being someplace. Yes. So I've, yeah, I've, this is another thing that people with smartwatches just keep that in mind. Uh, cause that's, that definitely is something that people think. What a weird what a weird ux to fight like i just i was just thinking like how do you it's got to be generational because because it's one of those things where the phone well okay this is this is this is now offbeat but it's it's a ux conversation so it's related to the show's topics i guess but what one of the things i was just just thinking of is a lot of the people that i know that are older in the older generation that do have cell phones a lot of them are people who just don't really use it that much, right? They'll, you know, pick up the phone when it rings, but they don't really text much or whatever, and they don't really check it when in a conversation. But there's actually a fair bit, and I would say about 50%, and I don't have a huge sample size, but I'd say 50% of the people I know that are from the older generation use the phone just like a millennial does. Maybe not with the pictures and the vlogging and such, but they're on that phone, and they're aware of, like, the fact that they're on that phone, and they're aware of the fact that they're on it during the middle of a conversation or in the middle of dinner, like, whatever, right? Whatever you're doing, people, it's it's very. I don't know. It's 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 strange that 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 broke into that generation because people always said like, oh, it's rude to be on your phone, and I think maybe that maybe me hearing that over and over again has made me that person that doesn't check all that often, like when I'm with other people. But that's, that's so weird how like how like I can't I can't think of a way in terms of like a UX thing to explain to a person in the older generation that I'm actually on a smartwatch. Like, how do you obviously make it a smartwatch? You know what I'm trying to say? A smartwatch is designed, is supposed to be in the vein of a traditional analog or digital wristwatch. It is not supposed to, like, have big buttons on it that says, I'm a smartwatch and big lights on it. So, I think that's where the Apple Watch kind of succeeded, in my opinion. Because it... As much as I don't like square watches, right, 
And I really hated the Apple Watch. Like, I think we had multiple conversations when it came out. Like, I really hated the Apple Watch when it first came out. Right. Because I was like, they could have done a nice circular watch. It could have looked really nice, like a real watch. Like, they could have used Apple's design team to create a really nice watch. Because they were already selling it for like two or $3,000 on like an expensive one. Right, 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 right. right. So it was already an expensive watch. Uh, obviously, you could get it for cheaper, but they had like ridiculously expensive ones. So I was pissed off at Apple for that because I thought that they could do better. But now that I think back on it, I think they were doing that consciously being like, we want people to know that this is a, an Apple watch. So it doesn't look like a regular watch. They don't want, they want people to mistake it for some like common, you know, even a Rolex or something like that. Yeah. 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 They don't want people to mistake it for that. They want people to know like, oh, that guy's wearing an Apple watch. That's a saddest symbol. Even, even the, uh, even the bands, like I understand you can get more traditional bands, but like you can almost always tell there's something up with someone's wristband. And then you're like, oh, yeah. it's an Apple Watch. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like... Yeah. Like, I can tell that someone's wearing an Apple Watch right away, where I can't tell if someone's wearing, like... It, I can usually tell if someone's wearing a smartwatch, but not all the time. Right, yeah. Unless I look at them, exactly. Uh, and then even then, I can't tell which smartwatch they're wearing, if it's not an Apple Watch. So, like, I'll, unless I like look, unless I know it's a fossil watch, but it might be a Huawei, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of different options, so I, it's it's not... It doesn't go into my eyes. So, and our watches, like you said, are meant to look like, and I'm holding it up to the camera now, not that anyone can see, are meant to look like a real watch, like an old analog watch. And that's why it's harder to convey. But I think if maybe if we had an Apple watch, it might be a little bit like, cause the older generation now are kind of understanding of Apple watches in my eyes. Like my dad has one. Right. Uh, like a lot of, I, I, I see smartwatches all over the place. At this point, an Apple Watch is definitely the dominant one of those. So I'm thinking that that's kind of their solution to that is make it not look like an analog watch. And then the, and then the generational thing will eventually set in just like how how exactly. some of the older folk will use their phone like a millennial or as often as a millennial kind of thing. Exactly. That's really interesting. Like, I wonder if they consider stuff like that. Like, obviously, Apple has, but I wonder if. If this type of conversation was had by the people who are trying to mask it like a real watch, and you know when they try to when they come up with a design and they're like, oh, let, let's make it so it's not obviously a smartwatch. I wonder if they have that conversation where it's like, what are the cons of that? You know, yeah. like should we make this thing actually obvious? Because now that I think of it, and it's been a long time, so I could you know be mistaken, but I don't think I ever got a question from somebody about my Pebble. I never had anyone say like, oh, you want you in a rush? I've never. People seem to realize that it was a smartwatch or something different it looked in a weird shape yeah exactly and so i think people were like oh he's doing something like what is that at least you know if they didn't know what a smartwatch was yeah that's my theory well i'll tell you one thing if pebble was still around to be using that i wouldn't be using wear os regardless but um well if you want to use a pebble like smartwatch there is a i think it's called a maze fit it where they use an e-ink display and it lasts for like 30 days Oh, seriously? Like, it's a so modern... You can check it out. And it's it's only, like, 90 bucks. And it's a modern equivalent and upgraded and... Yeah, it has all the modern services and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't have... Might not have... Like, it doesn't have apps, I don't think, but it has, like, you can answer messages and stuff like on I, it. Like, mi- that the crap. microphone? I'm not sure. That See, I like, know. if it had a microphone, I'd... Like, I'm not, not joking now. Like, I'd seriously oh. consider it, actually. Okay. Well, I'll, I can send it to you. I can send it to you after this podcast, and if anyone wants to know about it just join our discord and ask me there you go yeah just at you <laughs> yeah just at me on the discord all right cool well mm-hmm. uh i don't really have anything else to add unless you do mike um 
don't know how long this episode is because I lost my recording software. There it is, but... Um, awesome. So I think I'm going to run the old conclusion then. So thank you for listening and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML, all the things that's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter via at HTML, everything we are on medium and we're on GitHub. And remember, we're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things check out the tiers and give that a go. And with that said, many thanks to our $3 tier patron, patrons sean from rabbit works at javascript you can find him at youtube.com slash rabbit works at javascript and works is spelt w-e-r-k-s also garrick from local path computing and web design you can find him at localpathcomputing.com craig aka cosworth and last but not least ryan gatchel from blue black digital you can find him at blueblackdigital.com feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on and we are signing off we